0: This morning, it's my privilege to preach the Word, uh, and it's our second week in this series called The, the Tangible Kingdom. Uh, we want to learn what it means to be missional as the people of God, and especially as Cornerstone is going through this vitality process, we want to be healthy and missional. And Pastor Danny, last Sunday, he talked, he focused on the Great Commission at the end of Matthew and looked at what does it mean to be missional. And today, we look at Jesus's incarnation. The incarnation is a theological term, and I get to try to preach this in 20, 25 minutes or so, Uh, but I hope I provide enough for us to apply it into our lives. Uh, Here's a description from two professors uh, in Chicago, and their book is called, literally, The Incarnation of God. The incarnation of the eternal Word of God is indeed the greatest and most profound mystery there is. For it leads to the following absolutely unique confession of the Christian church. So this is something very unique to Christianity. There is no major world religion where a deity incarnates, like not just changes the appearance, but becomes human. God, without ever ceasing to be God actually became what he created in order to reconcile us to himself. God's love is so great, his mercy and grace so persistent, and his desire to have us as his own is so unrestrained that he performed an act of unparalleled condescension. Don't you feel smarter just reading that? Today, what I want to show to you, to you all, and what I've been shown all week, is how the incarnation, it matters so much for us today. The incarnation matters for us today. Let's read our passage together. Uh, it's in John chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there. We'll be reading from verses 1 through 14, but the bulk of our time will be spent on verse 14. John chapter 1 verses 1 through 14. And if you don't have your Bible, we'll have the passage projected. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And here's our verse of focus today. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's lift up a prayer together. God, this morning, we just want to affirm that there is no one, absolutely no one like you. And we thank you for the person of Jesus. Fully God, fully man. Help us to learn the implications from that, why that matters to us, how that changes things for us. In in that act, in the incarnation, we get to know who you are and we thank you so much that you sent your son to show us your heart, your character, your deeds. So more than anything today, we want to Lift high the name of Jesus so that glory goes to God the Father. Strengthen us at this time. We need to be fed so that we can go out into this world to transform this, life, uh, this world, to impact the world for the name of Jesus. So during this time, make it a mini boot camp, God. Strengthen us, equip us, feed us, teach us so that we can go out Better equipped, better prepared, better empowered to herald the Lord of hosts to this world, the only hope, the only lasting joy. We thank you so much. Help us to love you more as a result of our service today. And in Jesus name, we pray. Amen. So today, again, we're focusing on verse 14. What does it tell us about the significance of Jesus' incarnation? The, the incarnation matters to us today because it shows us that God wants to be with us. The incarnation matters because it shows us that God wants to be with us. In verse 14, it reads, The word became flesh. Uh, the word there, flesh, is uh, borderline crude, it's, it can be translated as meat. So the Word, who in verse 1 it says, right, the Word, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And even later in this verse, at the end, it says, the only Son from the Father. So already we know that the Word is Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ, as God, fully divine, became meat, became flesh. He became skin and bones. He became blood and and hair, and fingernails, and he breathed in oxygen and breathed out carbon dioxide, right? Not monoxide. John could have used a different word here. He he could have used the word where we get um, the root for anthropology. Jesus, the word became man, or he could have used um, another word, soma, where You med students, I'm trying to impress you, the somatic nervous system, that's where it comes from. Soma means body, but instead John intentionally uses the most basic element, the substance that we are made of, to to show us that God himself came to experience what humanity is like, to, to be in proximity with us. The word became flesh and he dwelt among us. That word dwelt, it can be translated literally as tabernacled or pitched a tent. The word of God tabernacled among us or pitched a tent among us. And the use of this this word tabernacle in in the verb form already takes our mind to the Exodus where God saves all the Israelites, Israelites out of Egypt. The tabernacle was the physical residence of God's glorious presence in the midst of the Israelites. So, God, in his desire to be with the Israelites, he commanded Moses and the Israelites to, to create a tent. And uh, within the tent, there's a tent of meeting where it was fully understood that the, the glorious presence of God dwelt there. So, as they traveled through the wilderness, Laying down the tent and picking it back up, packing it up, they understood as God going with them wherever they went, whatever they did. And in Exodus 29, 45 to 46, this is what God says after he gives the the initial commands, the initial instructions on how to set this whole thing up. God says, I will dwell among the people of Israel, and I will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. The purpose for God saving them was that he wanted to dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. God saves the Israelites in the Old Testament so that he would dwell among them all. God always saves in order to have relationship. We want to think of Christianity as a transactional thing. Take away my sins, give me joy. Take away my sufferings, give me happiness. Here's my offering, give me prosperity. That's an easy way to make Christianity not about relationship and about religion. But God always, always saves for relationship. He saves in order to take his rightful place in my heart and in yours. And God sees the, the desperate need of the Israelites, and what does he do? he sends a representative in the Old Testament, Moses, and so that he would bring about the salvation of the Israelites. God sees our desperate need from our brokenness, our slavery, and sends the best solution that he has at his disposal, his son, his very self. Theologian D.A. Carson He writes, if God had perceived that our greatest need was economic, he would have sent an economist. If he had perceived that our greatest need was entertainment, he would have sent us a comedian or an artist. If God had perceived that our greatest need was political stability, he would have sent a politician. If he had perceived that our greatest need was health, he would have sent us a doctor. But he perceived That our greatest need involved our sin, our alienation from Him, our profound rebellion, our death, and He sent us a Savior. Our greatest need, whether we realize it or not, is to be saved by God. And that happens when He draws near to us and we draw near to Him. And the incarnation is the ultimate sign, the ultimate picture of God Himself drawing near and to be with us. In a, in a paraphrased translation of the Bible called The Message, uh, John 14, 1.14 reads, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. If we knew that God lived on, a, on, a, on our street, at a house down our block, how would that impact us? If we knew that God lived in a dorm room on your floor, <coughs> you probably keep the door closed. <laughs> no, but really, how would you live if God really dwelt among us? And he does, doesn't he? Even at the end of the Great Commission that Pastor Danny preached, it says, Behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. The incarnation matters to us because it shows us that God wants to be with us. Secondly, the incarnation matters to us because God wants to show us his glory. God wants to show us his glory. Again, going back to verse 14. The word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. And whose glory is it? It's the glory as of the only son from the Father. The word there only is can be also translated, and some some of our Bibles will say it one and only. It's one of a kind, the only one in, in its class. I don't know if you've ever gone uh, shopping to like a really nice mall, uh, going into like the like the Italian, you know, like upper end makers. You go into the store, they only have one of each item. Like that, 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 like, I already feel uncomfortable. <laughs> like. Like if I if I buy that not only is it expensive but no one else will have it. So if I need to feel better about myself I should buy it. But really this is this is the idea that's one of a kind, the only one in its class. There is no other the the true son of God other than Jesus. And in verse 1 of John chapter 1 it's been told to us that the, this word of God is actually God himself. So the glory of the word of God is the glory of the father. And what about this hymn about God the Father or or God the Son is so glorious. It is that he is full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. These words that John uses to describe Jesus, glory, grace and truth, brings us back to the Exodus again. I think it's very intentional. And we go back to verse, uh, chapter 33 in Exodus, where Moses is talking to to God. And he says, uh, Moses says, please show me your glory. And God responds, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face. asks an earnest request, God, show me your glory. Can I know you for who you are? And God, out of his wisdom, out of his love, he says, I can't show you my face. It'll literally kill you. So to think that as God passes by, he's so glorious that at the last second, he takes the hand away from from where Moses is, And Moses sees God's backside. And it changes him so much internally that he's glowing, right? In Scripture it says he glows when he comes back from the mountaintop. And in my immature mind, I'm thinking about those instances like out in the street when I think I see a friend across the street and I'm yelling, Yo, Danny! It's not him. (laughs) There's only so much you could tell from someone's backside. But God is so glorious that that's more than enough. But then in the incarnation, what happens is God shows us a face. He finally shows us his face. We no longer have to speculate and imagine what he looks like. We know what he looks like, what he did, who he loved on we finally have a face in Jesus. And not only is is it any face, it's a human face. It's a face in which we have solidarity. He knows our suffering and pain, our joy, our happiness, our struggles, and our successes. God accommodates in his great love for us to provide us with his very own face, which is full of, very full of glory. Grace and truth in the countenance of Jesus Christ. It's a face that reminds us that God so much wants to be with us and so much wants to show us how glorious he is. And uh, what happens after... God passes by Moses is really interesting, too, because God says, Hey, I can't show you my face. You have to look at my back. But he also promised to to share one more thing. And he said that he would share his name. He would proclaim his name. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love to thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but who by who will by no means clear the guilty visit, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation despite not being able to see god's face moses gets god's character through god's very utterance his his words out of his mouth and that's where we have to come to love love the scriptures because we don't have a physical Jesus in our midst. But we do have the Scriptures. Who so much can be taken from there. There are scholars that say, if we spent the rest of our lives studying the Incarnation, we, wouldn't, we would not run out of things to study. We would not run out of things to be amazed by. The Bible, the written Word of God, provides for us a picture of who Jesus is, the living Word of God. And by using, you know, the same words, right, glory, grace, and truth, what is John really trying to say? He's saying that he himself, he's an eyewitness. He and his contemporaries knew Jesus in human form on this earth, and they saw all the qualities that God proclaimed in Exodus 33, 34, in the person of Jesus. John is saying, hey, this guy is legit. This guy is for real. He is indeed the Son of God. And John writes at the end of this gospel, he says, he writes all of of 20 chapters, and he says that he writes, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life. In his name, God wants to show us that he wants to be with us and that he wants to show us his glory because he wants to save us. He wants us to have life. Uh, about one month ago, uh, my wife and I, we went on a delayed honeymoon to Greece, and uh, I can probably talk your ear off about the beautiful beaches that my wife and I saw in Greece. This is It's a little hard to see, but uh, these simpleton Americans call this the moon beach because it looks like the the surface of the moon because of the volcanic uh, rock and and all that. So it looks like you're walking on the moon. I could talk forever about the clearest waters that I have ever attempted to swim. I don't know how to swim, so this is me, like, freaking out. Uh, I literally will go five feet. i go, "Uh uh-oh, I'm good, I'm good my wife got angry at me she's like you know how to swim just do it I'm like gurgling water <laughs> and I could talk about all the awesome Mediterranean food that I had in Greece this is making you hungry right sun dried grilled squid it was one of the fa- my favorite things to eat And I could show you even pictures of this, but it doesn't mean you know it. The most loving thing I could do, if I could afford it, is pay for all of you to go to Greece and experience these things for yourself, right? And and that's what God does with his glory. He doesn't want us to just know about it co- cognitively, he, brings, he sends Jesus and wants us to experience him. Of all the ways that God could have chosen to reveal himself, he designated the only way to get to know God the Father is through Jesus. In John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to Thomas and he says, I am the way and the truth, And a life, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Have you seen Jesus? Do you believe that he is the Son of God? He came to earth. He lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, and was raised again by the power of the Holy Spirit to conquer sin and death and pain for all and for all time. Do you believe that? If yes, then you have seen Jesus, and you have seen the Father. Knowledge of God is not designated just to the mind. Knowledge of God is mind, soul, heart, and strength. And a significant part of getting to know God is participating and continuing the mission of God. At the end of this gospel, again, Jesus is raised from the dead and appears to the disciples. And one thing I want to quickly note is that his resurrected body is still human. We don't often reflect on that, but in, in heaven, wherever that is spatially, we know that it's by the right hand of God. He is in human form, a glorious, fully divine, but human form. Because when he was raised from the dead, he, the disciples were able to touch him where the wounds were. Jesus ate with the disciples. And when he meets them, I am sending you. Even so, I am sending you. The incarnation, it's part of the gospel, the good news that is so, so worth believing, so worth living for. And it's also the gospel that is so worth sharing, sharing to others. The greatest need in in the people in your lives isn't a change in external circumstances. You know, uh, I was just looking at the news, and I, I looked up the most current stat, and since 2013, and not to be a Debbie Downer, but there have been 149 school shootings. School shootings. Not just shootings in general. School shootings in America. And we can clamor all we want that this country needs gun control. What it really needs is the gospel. Gun violence isn't going to get saved and changed by policy. We're just going to put a Band-Aid on it. What really needs to change in this country is to know that God wants to be in relationship with everybody and that His glory needs to be seen by everybody. So I want to share just two applications the first one is very simple. We need to experience the incarnation, the significance of the incarnation for ourselves. If you feel distant from God, or if you want to keep continuing to feel close to God, you can reap benefits by meditating on the incarnation. If you are going through a difficult, difficult season in life, what greater source of encouragement than to know that the Savior came to be with you, to experience all the things that human beings experience. In his physical body, he is proclaiming to us, I'm with you until the end of the age. The incarnation is a deep, deep mystery, but a mystery worth investigating for all of our lives. The second is to look for opportunities to share this is where you're like, "Oh, you're pushing it a little too much." But to share the significance of the incarnation and that doesn't mean you have to like bash anybody over the head about who Jesus is. But could you be the presence of God for somebody in your life, a roommate, coworker, classmate? Could you show grace and truth to some of these people? Because Jesus didn't always talk about the kingdom. Sometimes he treated others in the kingdom paradigm, in the way that they would be treated if God were here. So I would like to challenge all of us to find a way to be intentionally interrupted. This is a very practical suggestion. If you think about Jesus, who he was before he came as as a human— it was very disruptive he must have had a sweet rhythm i don't know if you need sleep in heaven but worshiping god communing with him singing with with the angels and in one moment he is in a dirty manger and maybe this is graphic but he comes out of a woman's womb i don't know like that that just It's crazy that the son of the living God came to the earth in that way. He humbly and willingly put himself in that place to show us that God wants to be with us and God wants to show us his glory. So for us, could you, maybe for one appointment this week, one class, one dinner um, meeting that you've scheduled, go 10-15 minutes early, And just ask God, God, who do you want me to just bless in Jesus' name? I'm just going to start a conversation. If I get to share who you are, allow that to happen, and it would be my honor, my joy, and I pray that I would not be ashamed. But if it doesn't, then I'm just going to treat them in the way that Jesus would. I want to love on them and just pray for them that maybe somebody else along the way will proclaim the good news. Ask somebody how they're really doing beyond small talk. So, the incarnation matters to us today because it shows us that God wants to be with us and God wants to show us his glory. And then we get to participate in sharing that to others. Let's pray together. God, the, the most beautiful thing about the Incarnation is that isn't just the mere fact that you love us? Is that It, it really is that you, because you love us with the love that you have for Jesus. You provide for us the same things you provide for Jesus when he was here on earth. If we would just believe, if we would just ask, we thank you for, for your son being willing to humble himself, to unite your divinity with our humanity, and to show us what a redeemed human life can look like. We thank you for the example that we have in Jesus. And we thank you that we not only know it in our heads, but we can experience it in our hearts and to proclaim it to this world that needs it so desperately. So the word becoming flesh has tremendous implications for us. So God, in this upcoming week, this upcoming month, as we go through this series in the tangible kingdom, we pray that we would come to grips with maybe one aspect of the incarnation and be blown away. We thank you that we finally have a face to what you look like, God. We thank you that you provide us a savior and not a, not just a solution. You give us a relationship. So may, our, may your presence be the most important thing at this very moment. Even as we continue our worship, we are so desperate to be able to commune and experience and be just surrounded and, and filled up by the presence of God. And just as Pastor Bill affirmed our, our praise volunteers, won't you anoint them even at this very moment as they come up here, that they will lead this church to sing the heavenly anthems that bring you great, great joy. Strengthen us, God. We, we know we can't do this without you. We thank you that you are God who wants to be near us wants to show us your glory. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.